the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Monday, March 6, 2023. I am Seth Liebson. Our phone number is 602-508-0960. Excuse me, 602-508-0960. Of course, much of the talk in Conservatown today is the CPAC conference and Donald Trump's keynote address. What I am confident about is this. Do not count Donald Trump out. I don't mean the easy stuff. I mean, do not count him out of winning the primaries and being capable of winning a general election. Now, many think it is impossible to him for him to win a general election. I don't think it is. I say this as someone whose preferences, as I've stated, are with Ron DeSantis. He's my first choice for a host of reasons. But two immediate things need to be said just on that point, and not about me, but about the Republican Party generally. First, I despair over people who vote or call themselves Republican, but only up to the point they are satisfied with their primary candidate and that their primary candidate is victorious and then spend the rest of the election either despairing or actually not voting or actually voting for a Democrat if their primary candidate doesn't win. This is what I call personalities over principles. Our party from its inception in 1856 until today has a complete and completing set of principles and values. And none of those platforms or principles does it speak of personalities or, for that matter, psychology. And the Democratic Party has its set of principles and personalities. For anyone who likes to think they are or who likes to call themselves a principled conservative or a principled Republican, there really is only one question to be asked, which is, do they support the principles? the principles of the party. Anything less than that is the vicissitudes of personality, the opposite of principle. And anything supportive of a democratic party, the house of and for socialism in America, is far left of boom in our political enterprise here. It is the opposite of being a principled conservative or Republican. My point in saying that is many conservatives have been disappointed over the years with primary outcomes that are considered, shall we say, more moderate. And then they say, "Okay, will of the people, consent of the governed, let's go beat the Democrat with the army or sword we have. When elections in our primaries tend the other way, where the more conservative prevails over the more moderate, a lot of moderates go quiet, go missing, and end up sometimes even supporting the Democrat. They forget that an 80 percent ally is better than a 1 percent ally, at least if they are actually committed to principles. And we may have to think that way about Donald Trump. While he is not many's first choice, the certitude he cannot win a general election is anything but certain. First, consider the wins. Trump was defeated by two things in 2020, himself and COVID. Anent COVID, there is an emerging general consensus. The hysteria was just that. And whether they want to admit it or not, that consensus is only proving itself greater and greater over time, be it about shutdowns or schools or masks or the vaccine mandates or indeed even its very origin. When it comes to foreign policy, it is indisputable that Joe Biden got two things massively wrong. 
Afghanistan and Russia-Ukraine. It's not to say the idea of defending Ukraine is wrong. After all, Donald Trump hasn't said that, and he was the first president to actually give them arms. It is to say the idea that we are stumbling and bumbling into a massive quagmire with a nuclear nation is also becoming somewhat more and more settled wisdom, and that possibly even leftists or at least media professionals would admit in the quiet corners of their studios that Putin would never have invaded Ukraine on Trump's watch. It is a historical fact that there were no wars on that watch. Add all that to the now distant memory of how good the economy was before COVID, and it is not impossible for Trump to take all that victoriously into a general election. I say that with all the caveats. I say that with all the qualifications. But I say that to reassure those who love to quote Teddy Roosevelt's Man in the Arena speech. They need to read some more of it, more than at least just their favorite lines that come to them in convenient or self-serving times. The man in the arena's place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Shame on the man of cultivated taste who permits refinement to develop into fastidiousness that unfits him for doing the rough work of a workaday world. Among the free peoples who govern themselves, there is but a small field of, use, uh, of usefulness open for the men of cloistered life who shrink from contact with their fellows. Still less room is there for those who deride or slight what is done by those who actually bear the brunt of the day, nor yet for those others who always profess that they would like to take action if only the conditions of life were not exactly what they actually are. The man who does nothing cuts the same sordid figure in the pages of history, whether he be cynic or fop or voluptuary. There is little use for being for the being whose tepid soul knows nothing of the great and generous emotion, of the high pride, the stern belief, the lofty enthusiasm of the men who quell the storm and ride the thunder. Anyway, a thought out of CPAC. Again, not my first choice, but not a choice we must totally despair of if we care about one great, big, important thing, which I fear we sometimes lose sight of, saving or meanly losing this country. Nothing is more important, and the line from Lincoln to Coolidge to Reagan forward is a somewhat tortuous and wending line, but it is not a tortured and wimpy line. While the line from Jefferson Davis and John Beckenridge to Franklin Roosevelt and Jimmy Carter and Barack Obama and Joe Biden is the line that has cut our country not only in half at times, but from its constitutional and civil and civic moorings. There are cultural waves that come and go here, too, that we need to be attuned to. People may forget how carefree the 1990s were. It was a holiday from history, as my old friend Charles Krauthammer put it. Channeling Robert Frost, Krauthammer said it would end by fire or ice. Of course, 9-11 was the fire. And we did get serious as a nation for a spell. And then, of course, politics intruded. Well, we were serious for a spell here, too, until politics intruded, or not so much politics as the political exploitation of left-wing culture wars. Daniel Henninger put it this way this morning in the Wall Street Journal, quote, We had our roaring 20s. It's just that they were before the pandemic. For a decade, we thought we could do just about anything in politics, business, or lifestyle, and not pay a price. 
defund the police, legalize drugs, proliferate pronouns, steal from your own hedge fund. We could go on with that list. Treat people as animals. Retreat on reliable standards of right and wrong. Backtrack into retrograde views on character and race. All those things. In short, counterpoise two cultural political movements in this country, one directed and building and improving, and one directed at tearing down and destroying in the repackaged ethos of what Karl Marx would invoke in speaking and writing about destroying all the good things that exist. Of course, that is not really progress, but it is progressivism, and I just kind of get the sense that holiday from reason, if not history, is coming to an end among the general population as well. See Lori Lightfoot. See the Chesse Boudin district attorney in San Francisco recall. We haven't turned the corner yet, but you take the point. Even in woke palaces like Chicago and San Francisco, they are turning slight rights around those sharp corners. The three great fates. Do you know them? from Homer, they may have spun their course here, where even in Wokeland, people are ready to cut themselves from the cloth of Marxism that's been spun. It's called Atropos. We aren't there yet, but again, if you think about the consensuses that are emerging from COVID to war and Putin to the competency of kind Joe Biden to the kindness of Joe Biden to the importance of a Kamala Harris to the border crime drug nexus... The guy who had that all under control versus the Clotho and Lachesis who spun it out of control may indeed get a fairer hearing than even before. Or at least the party and movement of that might. It's not so much a country or a republic if we can keep it anymore. It's kind of the other thing. Sanity in a movement and party if we can keep it. Because the principles of that movement and party are the only thing that will keep the country, this republic. I can't say those last two things enough. Sanity in this movement and party, because there's only one party and movement that can keep this realm. And one party and movement in their wholesale madness that will ruin it. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. That's my own version of the punishment I meet out to my producer. He knows why he deserves punishment. I won't further embarrass him, but I'll just let that share bumper run a little extra long to drive him mad. Kind of like, what did we blast? Do you remember what we were blasting at Noriega in Panama when he was holed up? Was it like Led Zeppelin or Van Halen or something like that? Might have been Barry Manilow. I don't, might have been Cher. I, I just might have been Muskrat Love, which was played. Did you know Muskrat Love was played? At the White House at a state dinner for the Queen by Jerry Ford, uh, under the presidency of Jerry Ford. Yeah, she thought it was torture, too. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Steve is in Tempe. Hi, Steve. How are you doing, Seth? I'm well. How are you? What's on your mind? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. I just wanted to, I wanted to comment on your narrative that you just had. Oh, sure. uh, very insightful, as usual, Thanks. As, as always. Thanks. Yeah, and... 
I I believe as it relates to you know the the upcoming let's just say conflict between Trump and DeSantis. I think that there's going to be a lot a lot of people in this last election, or I should say in the in the uh, uh, 2020 election, voted for Biden because he wasn't Trump, and I think that now that they have had a chance to see just what Biden is all about and see it firsthand, I think this second go around, those people wouldn't vote for him if if he was running against. John Fetterman. <laughs> I mean, I think that <laughs> I'm just using him. As yeah, a, no, as a it's, a, it's a good one. But, but it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, but but um, and and also, Seth, related to that, I, I was um, we're, we saw what you just described in your opening narrative. Uh, we we saw that firsthand in our in our Arizona election. I think that that's exactly what happened. I think that was a big factor in the fact that Kerry Lake did not get elected. Is a lot of people that did not vote for Kerry Lake in the primary, myself included, by the way, um, those people didn't vote for her in the general election. I did vote for Kerry Lake in the general. I didn't vote for her in the primary. I can't, and I'm, I'm spacing on the uh, person that she ran against. Oh, Karen Robeson. Yeah, right. Karen Robeson. Yeah, right thank now. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. But... Um, I, I believe a lot of those people that voted for Robeson did not like Kerry Lake for whatever reason, and 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 they either didn't vote in the in the general or in, in the in the main election after the primary, or uh, they very well could have voted for for um, for Hobbs. But um, I think that was a factor in 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 that you know just people that that for whatever reason get disenchanted in the primary because their candidate doesn't win. Um, We've got to figure out a way to get those people on board, like you were saying. Um, uh, yeah, your candidate may not uh, have won in the primary, but look at what you're um, putting into office if, in fact, you don't come out in the general election and vote for the Republican candidate in the, in that general. And that's what happened, I think, in 2020. Um, even though I still believe, I, I still believe that uh, Donald Trump did not lose that election. I think that was a factor, though. But I don't think it was the. I think there were a number of factors, but that was just one of them. Maybe a minor factor that you know a lot of people just uh, did not like his tweets or whatever. I, I still can't believe that. I think the man had a track record that was rock solid. People saw what happened. That the pandemic was not his fault, and that he was doing everything he possibly could. Uh, within his limitations of of getting things on back on track after that thing hit, and he took Fauci's advice in in shutting down the economy, which we all know now, looking back, was a huge mistake. And and the other fact was he did not want to do it, and he he did it out of pressure. Um, that was, let me that let me yeah let me let me let me um let me say this, Steve, uh, agreeing with about. of what you said. (laughs) Uh, uh, Let me see if I can get the other 10% and we'll be on the same exact page here with you. Because one of the things I did say um, in in my monologue was that I think Donald Trump was defeated by two things. And one was COVID, but I did say there was another thing there, too. And I said it was himself. And, you know, I, I, I think it, 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 I think 
that if you look back at how that campaign was run and if you look back at how he comported himself on several issues in public that um, he could have done a lot better job of, uh, I don't I don't think that you would have had some of the problems you ended up having. I mean, some of this you do have to put on the candidate. I, I, am, I find it really interesting that he's the first Republican I've ever heard who lost an election that seems to be blameless by his supporters. Usually we tend to blame our candidates really easily for, for kind of blowing it, you know? <laughs> we used to throw shoes yeah. at our TVs during the debates when they blew it and things like that. And he, yeah. he comes with a little bit too too much historical revisionist Teflon. And I have to tell you that some of that abided from where I saw things in our governor's race as well. Um, I, I think that there was a part of it, which is what you said, and not enough people saying, OK, the hell with the personalities. I, you know, I don't want to see my state run by an idiot socialist who thinks Republicans are white supremacists. And on the other hand, my guess is my guess is I I don't. Yeah, I haven't talked to her directly one-on-one, but my guess is Carrie Lake probably regrets telling people to get the hell out of the party if they were McCain Republicans. That'd be my guess. My guess is that's probably worth 17,000 votes. That'd be my guess. There's a little bit of that symbiotic problem going on there that we can't write off, which is why I said at the end of my monologue that the party has and the movement also has a responsibility here, which is sanity, sanity in the movement. I'm not saying either of them are insane, but they, they, that we do have to deal with these kinds of things. Understanding we're running for something in the general election that is beyond the base, and as a Republican Party and conservative movement, we are never the majority going in, and we have to do everything we can to get that majority to join us. Fair enough. Yep. Fair enough, and and no question, Seth. I. And, and honestly, I didn't believe I didn't know that she had said that about the McCain Republicans. I, I didn't remember that quote, but I but I'll, I'll just say this. No, you're you're uh, you're right on as it relates to, you know, her making those kind of comments. I think it's I think it's if you don't want part of the party to turn part. on you. You can't turn on part of the party is all I'm saying. Right. No question. Yeah, no, no yeah. question. Yeah. And especially with with you needing every single vote. And I don't care how bad. Uh, Katie Hobbs was in, you know, leading up to the to the election itself. You've got to run that election like you need every single vote, and you cannot alienate any sector of your party by making comments like that. Oh and, no, and I, I mean you're right, buddy. I mean, Steve, that. that's that's like 101. I mean, you, you would think you yeah. have your party, and the task is to go get Democrats and independents. While <laughs> right before the campaign, you're going after your own party. That's just. I, right. I'm sure. I'm sure it's been regretted, but I'm not sure we've totally absorbed the lesson. Which is all I'm saying is our party and our movement is too important to not let more sanity like that prevail uh, if we plan to win. If we plan to win, usually the task is to add, not subtract. All right, brother, I got to run. We'll be right back. Thanks, Steve. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-5089-60. Larry's in Phoenix. Hello, Larry. Hey, good afternoon. Seth. How, how are you? I'm doing well. Good to hear from you. 
Thank uh, you. Nice to hear from on, you. There you go. On the on your monologue, and especially the the last uh, <coughs> caller. Yeah. I, I I agree with you. Uh, there's like everything. There's two sides to everything, and a way to go about it. But I I, I believe that uh, what you brought up to explain your position is 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 the way to go in this upcoming election. And I think it has been proven uh, in Virginia when we won that all the way along. Mm-hmm. But it's also been shown right in Chicago. Yeah. Uh, when you have a record to run against, you don't need to crucify anybody and downplay them and badmouth them. That only hurts you because it doesn't show compassion and it doesn't show humility. You've got something to go after. You go after the party. This is the Democratic platform. This is what they believe in. It doesn't matter who's going to be their candidate. Nothing's going to change. And I think that's the position that we have to take. I I, I absolutely think that's right, Larry. I mean, um, the transition between the primary and the general election needs to be contemplated. And I suppose I stumbled on the real essence of it at the last part of my comments in the previous segment, which was that, you know, if you're running as a Republican, you already know what you're up against. Um, And the task is to try and get as many independents and disaffected Democrats as you can to vote for you. And you can. I mean, we did it. A lot of other races in Arizona did it. A lot of other Republicans throughout the nation have done it. What I would think is bad strategy is in a general election to continue to campaign against parts of your own party. It's not the only problem, but it is a problem that when you lose at these very low, low margin uh, losses, when you lose by, you know, very slim slivers, you know, it's worth, you know, a few hundred votes. Sometimes it's worth a few thousand votes. Sometimes it's worth 10 or 17 or 25,000 votes sometimes when you're attacking your own people and uh, or at least campaigning against your own people as if you're still in the primary. And the transitions just have to be a lot more well thought out. Um, anyway, I, it's it's this. I, I'm animated on this because the stakes are so large, Larry. The stakes are so large that if we don't have a viable winning Republican Party and conservative movement, we don't have a country. The salvation of this country depends on the Republican Party. The destruction of it depends on electing more Democrats. That's why I'm so passionate about it. I, hey, I agree 100 percent. And I think the goal, the goal in the end is not only to win the election, but we need to get the majority. The people need to the people we're talking to can't see us as a one trick pony. We have to be able to learn from our mistakes and say we made a mistake. Trump, if he wants to do better, has to turn around and say, you know what, I know I made the mistake. This is what I did. And I'm not going to do that this time. He can do it. He can do it without saying, you know, you you, you probably know him about as well as I do from observation, (laughs) et cetera. And it's very hard for him to to admit something like that. But he doesn't have to, actually, I don't think he can comport himself. You know, behavior can speak louder than words. And, you know, a friend of mine says it this way. A friend of mine, (laughs) kind of funny friend, he didn't vote for him in 2016, but he did vote for him in 2020. And he said, there's good Trump and there's bad Trump. And, you know, when he's good, he can be just very, very, very good. Um, And if he can stay out of his own way on some of this stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. it's it's not it's not 
that he's diminishing himself. People say, well, that's Trump. And if you take out some of that bite, you lose what you get with Donald Trump. I just don't agree. I just don't agree. You look at the kinds of things that some Republicans who loved him are saying, they don't agree either. You shouldn't have to lose once. If someone once supported you, there's no excuse for losing them. I agree. Again, going back to what you know, what you said and what we need to do, we need to run on our record mm-hmm. as the president, okay, versus the well, that, And the times have set him up for it. I mean, everything that, that, you know, people wanted to toy around with and play footsie with and experiment with went kaboom. I mean, everything that our side was saying about COVID is becoming truer and truer and more evident and more evident by the day. And you look at the foreign policy quagmire that we're going through, whether it's Afghanistan, Russia, Ukraine, whether you look at the economy, whether you look at the drug poisoning deaths, whether you look at the immigration problem, people are beginning to say, and it's just beyond debate, that one was a successful presidency and one is running America down into the ground. It's just, it's not that hard to debate that proposition. You've got, and exactly what you said, we all know it, we all see it. But we're not selling it. Yeah, I'm with you, buddy. Thank you, Larry. In a State of the Union speech last month, Joe Biden doubled down on his spending plans, adding even more to the federal deficit. That doesn't bode well for the value of your money. Biden's disconnected view of the economy means there will be no meaningful steps taken to lessen inflation and lower interest rates, which means your cash reserves and investments will be worth less. Which is why I recommend calling the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group to look into safeguarding your money with the stability of gold with the only precious metals dealer, Seb Gorka, I and thousands of you already know. That is the Midas Gold Group. Gold traditionally holds its value when economies fail, guarding against destruction of inflation and the ruin of a recession. Don't let Joe Biden's misguided economy wipe you out. Talk with the good folks at Midas Gold Group. That's MidasGoldGroup.com, MidasGoldGroup.com, or better yet, call them at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Alexandra's in Phoenix. Hi, Alexandra. Hi, Seth. Thank you for taking my phone call, Of course. Thanks for calling. Thank you, sir. Uh, I seldom debate you, Seth. Oh, Uh, you're, you're, you're my rabbi. We don't debate around here. Friend. We have conversations I, and we don't always agree. How's that? There's no debating. Well, I, 99% I'll say I agree you're with sweet. you. You're kind. You Thank say, you. Sir. Thank you. You're amazing. Oh, uh, thank you. Seth, I have a question mm-hmm. how you view this. I understand uh, we're saying about Carrie Lake was such and such and her demeanor and the way she made that awful comment. But, you know, in comparison to her opponent. Katie Hobbs, in, in, in her defense, in, in Carrie's defense, I'm not saying what she did was good, but I would take Carrie over someone who has been, is a proven racist, okay? There's two lawsuits uh, that have been against Katie Hobbs. It's not something I'm making up. Or, um, uh, to be honest, she doesn't want to have conversations with an Uber driver who was questioning uh, and this was recorded. So these are facts I'm laying out. So how would I, as a person, bring myself to choose her over someone who made a comment in, in the heat of the moment, most likely? Because Carrie Lake, honestly, uh, 
from what I can tell, is a good family-oriented person, good person. Uh, she's originally from the Midwest. So, you know, I, I, I cannot even as an angry conservative, I would call myself, if I call myself a conservative, it, you know, at the end of the day, for allowing myself to vote uh, for someone who is all these things uh, with Katie Hobbs against someone who just made a comment about me, for instance, uh, you know, like uh, telling me, oh, they can leave the Republican Party. But human beings are not perfect. We make mistakes. Uh, and we need to bring ourselves to realize that politicians are human beings. They're not going to be perfect, you know, 100% of the time, you know. So that that being said, how do you define that? How would you explain that? How would you look at that saying, okay, well, how could you be a conservative and you're, you know, angry at Harry uh, Lake's co comment, but you'll vote for someone who's a proven racist and someone who's a, you know, uh, who doesn't even want to talk to an Uber driver who's asking her a question about her her profession. Did you, by chance, Alexandra, did you by chance hear my monologue at the opening of the show? I did, sir. I'm because sorry. Because I think, I well, I just think we're in 100% agreement. I don't think it's 99.9. I, I, I said I don't think there's an excuse for anyone who calls themselves a Republican or a conservative to, what I said a few times in the monologue, put personalities over principles. I, if you care about your community, if you care about your state, if you care about your country, presumably if you call yourself a principled conservative or a principled Republican, yes, you're voting on the principles. You're not voting on the personalities. So I think you and I are 100% in sync. The only thing I would disagree a little bit with you is it wasn't a one-off. Yes, it was a continued theme throughout the campaign that uh, that I very much think in 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 um, well in real time and maybe in hindsight I don't know a, a, should have been rethought at, to put it no higher. But that having been said, I don't, I don't think you and I have a disagreement, Alexandra. I think we're back to a hundred percent, honestly. Yeah, sorry, sir. I no, no, no. That's quite all right. I, you know, I, I, I throw a lot in these. In. I throw a lot out there. So it's, it's, and maybe I talk thank, fast, but thank, no, we're in it. We're in agreement. So I, I don't know how you can. I don't know how you can do it. I said I, I despair of Republicans who, um, you know, I, I tend to usually vote for the more conservative candidate in the primaries. If there's a choice between a, you know, a conservative or a moderate, I, I think my voting record and my advocacy has been. Uh, more for the conservative than the moderate over time, um, and uh, and 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 I don't always win, <laughs> but well, boy, you know when the moderate does, we all kind of you know lick our wounds and say, okay, this is what the consent of the governed means. This is what our elections are about. Now, you know, maybe I have disagreements with twenty percent of that candidate, but you know what? With the Democrat, I have disagreements with probably ninety plus percent of what they have to say and do, and it's not about my feelings. It's about my state. It's about my community. It's about my country. It's about being part of a party that holds receptions on the 4th of July that say F the 4th, except they don't use the letter F. They use the whole word. It's about a candidate that calls Republicans neo-Nazis. I want nothing to do with that. That doesn't represent me, and it shouldn't represent our country or our state. And I despair over people who think they can call themselves X and vote for that which is diametrically opposed to X. As a matter of strategy, yeah, I'm going to give my advice, I guess, Alexandra. As a matter of strategy, you can't attack your party or elements of it 
and expect them all to have the same sensibilities that you and I do because not everyone sees that immediately. And, uh, and, and if you are going to have a slash-and-burn primary, you owe it to the party and to the electorate to try and um, try and try and try and try and pour a little a little water on some of those fires. Not all of which were your fault, but some of which inevitably had to have been. You just you owe it to your electorate to do that. You're not going to get independents and Democrats if you can't get, you know, the lion's share of your own party, or if you're still campaigning against them. You just can't. It's 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 an impossibility. I can't expect Democrats and independents to do what Republicans are told not to do. Um, but I think we're in near 100 percent agreement. I do have uh, uh, Clark on hold, and I'll go to you, Clark. As soon as we come back from the break, I want to give you the full amount of uh, time because I only have just a moment left in this segment given the clock. So let me take the opportunity. If you'll hold with me, I'll go right to you to put in a word for our friends at Y Refi. If you have questions about what it means to invest with them or what it could mean for you, they would love to put you in touch with any of their uh, any any number of their very satisfied customers and clients in the Phoenix area who have invested with them and are doing very very well. They will um, do that right away if you give them a call at eight 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 Y Refi thirty four. And they also ask me to ask you how your IRA is doing. Would you like your IRA to be earning strong fix, fixed interest rates and not be dependent on the stock market or Joe Biden's economy? Did you know you can invest with Y-Refi through an IRA or other qualified funds? And you can keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn, tax-deferred. That's right. Your money can stay in your IRA. and You don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn. Check them out at investyrefi.com. Or at invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com. Yeah, I think for the most part when my primary candidates lose, I think for the most part I do everything I can to help the general election uh, candidate, whether it's uh, participate in fundraisers or boast and promote their campaigns or offer to help and serve on any of their committees. I, I have a pretty good record of that, I think. All right. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Clark, thanks for your patience. I think you're in surprise. Welcome to the show. I am. Yeah, thank you, Seth. Um First of all, about your monologue, uh, you know, you're, you're usually very, very spot on, and your research and everything is just marvelous. You must spend hours doing most of these, and so I'm quite grateful to, uh, you know, to learn from you. You're very kind and, to say all that. Thank you. Well, you know, you're welcome. Um, my thought process is there are a couple other factors, especially in 2020, which was the resistance of Republicans to do the same thing that the Democrats were doing, you know, like uh, mail-in ballots and harvesting, everything else. And the other was the uh, was the laptop from hell, which got uh, totally uh, whitewashed and removed from uh, public discourse. It's a fair um, point. That's yeah, a fair so point. I, That's a fair point. I, I really think that Trump could have won even on the I have polling that shows he does. Two different polling outfits said that there were enough percentages of pro-Biden pro voters in swing states who, had they known of that story, would not have voted for Biden, which would have made the difference. You're, you're, you're more right than you know. Okay. And then, then as far as uh, Lake is concerned, I was less concerned with what she said about Hobbes than 
the the same philosophy of vote on voter on on election day. We did the didn't learn the lesson that we should have learned from 2020, and that's why she lost. What was that lesson, Clark? As you the, saw, you know, as the you lesson was a, is that we should have done everything that the that the Democrats did and go out and do you know, ballot harvesting, whatever else we could to compete directly with them going to the uh, the polls on on election day, and especially when a lot of it was set up to uh, uh, frustrate the voters who were mostly Republicans in those uh, critical dis- critical areas uh, probably cost for the election well Clark that's a that's a um Thank you. Uh, that's 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 a that's a thesis that um, I certainly have heard a lot of, and um, it's not one that I share. It's not one that. Um, look, I uh, I have a lot to say about that if you want, and it's a short segment um, here that's closing out. But um, maybe maybe just for the sake of finishing off the hour, we'll agree to disagree on that one and you can call me back when we have more time and we can get into more of that at length if that's a fair point i appreciate your kind comments thank you clark i'm seth we'll be right back three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal flynn told the truth he was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 